It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. We thank you once again for joining Dallas's Estate Planning Essentials Program. My name is Don Crawford Jr., a co-host of this program, and my partner, my attorney, my friend, is also with me, Dallas's own elder law attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Are you warm and toasty this fine June day? The one thing that we're always certain about in Dallas or the Dallas area is it'll be hot. In the yes. summer. <laughs> it will be hot and maybe hotter if they turn off our utilities. My goodness, I keep reading that we've got to be careful and not overutilize or overextend the system, or there's going to be what they call them rollouts or blackouts or something like there was in February during that freeze. Yeah, you would think that we learn from our lessons, but I guess we don't. And I hope that doesn't happen. But what will happen is um, your invaluable education on estate planning today. And we've got uh, sort of a uh, a Homer discussion or story that we want to tell the audience about. Why don't you tell them, Michael, what's going on with Mr. Charlie Pride? You know, this was in the newspaper, or the Dallas Morning News uh, wrote an article, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. It was on the front page of the Morning News uh, last Sunday, uh, and it was about Charlie Pride's secret son who was contesting the will and I thought, well, maybe we should talk. Was there anything that the estate planning attorney could have done differently? And what happened? And uh, kind of go from there. Okay. So uh, Charlie Pride uh, had had a few children, and but one child was not born of the marriage to his surviving wife. As we know, Charlie Pride, after he got the, uh, what was it, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Country Music Association last year, about a month later, died of covid uh, he was not young, uh, so that means he had an underlying health condition, but uh, it, just because he's older. So he died, and then after he died, uh, it, his will has been contested by a child of his that was not born of the marriage. So what happened was uh, Charlie Pride did have a relationship with a woman some time ago, probably 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, uh, you know, he he would come visit the young son Tyler when they were a baby, and apparently, um, uh, after a while, the mother of the child and child moved to further to East Texas. Whether it's because of the surviving spouse of Charlie Pride uh, or the spouse at that time didn't want her in the city or not, I don't know. But obviously, that's uh, as you can imagine, that would be a difficult situation. So um, throughout the years, there had been some elements of support, uh, not initially, but when he was, uh, when Tyler, the child who was not born of the relationship, was I think about 11 or so, uh, the mother of the child went to court to get child support, mm -hmm. and 
which was denied initially, but they did a DNA test. Uh, and when they did the DNA test, it confirmed that Tyler was the son of Charlie Pride. So okay. he did pay child support till he reached the age of majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was no question, but, you know, it wasn't, it's not one of those things that you want to publicize. Mm-hmm. And throughout the years, um, there had been some support, including uh, he had gotten like uh, some home, uh, I think gave, gave uh, in recent years, a couple of homes in East Texas to the son. Uh, they did have mortgages on it, but his contention was that it was a gift even though if there was a loan and he said it would it wasn't his responsibility to on the property to have to pay the property taxes or any mortgage uh, I think it was about four hundred thousand dollar home or something like that mm-hmm. uh, in the East Texas area near Tyler uh, so now Charlie pride did a had a what's called a poor over will uh, that goes everything goes to a trust. You know, we've talked in prior shows that if you have a trust, it's harder to contest. So if all the assets are put into the trust. And so a lot of times you don't even probate the will. When you say probate, uh, that means that you say to the court that the will is good. Um, In this case, the son, Tyler, uh, decided to contest the will or to probate the will to say that everything wasn't good. The rationale was that uh, he was given like 50000 in the trust. The will, all the will said was everything goes according to the terms of the trust. So you would think, well, gee, I mean, that's that's what most, when you have a living trust, the whole idea is to avoid probate. And, of course, under Texas law, there's no requirement that mm-hmm. you give anything to anybody. Remember, we talked about uh, the French Elvis uh, last year or so that died that, he had cut out his children, but under French law, you couldn't cut out your children. Well, that's mm-hmm. not the way it is here. Right here, you don't. There's no guarantees that you have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Now, his will did have one unusual provision, and that was it was contractual. So, at the end of the will, and oh, you know, when you have a will, it's a matter of public record, unlike a trust generally. Right. So, right before this show, uh, we ran out a copy of the will. And it says in this Article 8, I'm looking at joint and mutual affirmation of a contractual will. In other words, you could have it where you don't want your spouse to make changes. You can make it a contract. So then you could sue for breach of contract. Now, why would he? Yeah, so why would he do that? Because Mm -hmm. he, you know, I'm sure that Charlie Pride knew that his wife wasn't happy about this other child. And he didn't want her to change anything. So that uh, that kid, oh, I don't know, maybe he was concerned that uh, he that she may do something different than the way he wanted. So whatever that may be, whether it's not to, to cut out to where the other person didn't got cut out completely or uh, maybe some different disposition pattern because of things that go on with other children or something. I don't know. They had three other children. So he had a contractual will a contractual will so that she could not make changes at a later date. Okay. All right. Now, the trust said $50,000 to Tyler. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about how every usually will or trust should have a no contest provision. But remember, but just by having just say $10, that doesn't stop anybody. 
case, $50,000. So $50,000 compared to, uh, you know, even if whatever the amount would be that a child would get uh, is just a drop in the bucket. So I hate to say, well, I'll just say it the way it is. Uh, Obviously, the the child is trying to get more than Mm $50,000. Now, remember, number two, by the way, what can you have done maybe differently um, if there was a bequest? Let's say there's a bequest. I think we talked about on a show uh, just a couple weeks ago about the Texas Supreme Court ruling where somebody had gotten a bequest of a certain amount, which was lower than their share that the other kids would have gotten. Uh, executor gave money to that child, uh, and then the child tested the will. Uh, the Supreme Court said that he could not, once he received the funds and didn't give the money back, he lost his opportunity to contest the will. So uh, so one strategy that somebody, just before, just as a side note, had nothing to do with Charlie Pride, but let's say that um, uh, that Charlie Pride had a will or trust, let's say he had a will and he gave that 50000 to Tyler and Tyler didn't give the money back and didn't contest it, then Tyler would have been out of luck. Mm. But that's not what occurred here. Uh, it was in the trust. Generally, you would think, all right, we avoid probate. Uh, but here they said no. Now, what are the most common ways that people contest or for what reasons would somebody contest? You have to have a rationale. If you can right. cut out somebody as a matter of law, what would be the rationale? Well, there's usually two or three things, mental capacity, right. undue influence, right. arrest. So in this case, uh, Charlie was business partners with his wife and had other things going on with kids and some other professionals. And and reading the will contest that we ran out, again, when you have a will, everything, uh, or when you have uh, court proceedings, everything is a matter of public record. Anybody could look this up. We just looked it up right before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, after the person passes away. Of course, you can't see a will uh, while they're still alive, right? That's right, because you could always change your mind, and you don't give them the will. Some people file a will with the court if they, uh, and then just for their possession, mm-hmm. uh, and then if somebody dies, then they can right. get it. But that's very rare. That's a mm-hmm. minority of cases. Technically, if you're not going to probate the will, um, you're supposed to, you are supposed to file it with the court, but not as an application for probate. Um, I'm not sure if that's what happened here or not, but the Tyler's attorneys uh, decided to contest based on undue influence, based on undue influence. He was business partners with uh, his wife on various things, and others were, as they called it, there was the big four uh, that were influencing Charlie Pride, and they mentioned also different health issues, depression, things like that throughout the year. So, you know, this is the typical type. I, I hate to say it this way. By the way, I am not a litigator. I'm a nerdy planner. Mm-hmm. All we do is try to say how do we prevent these type of things. And I'm not saying that what we, was done here was anything bad. We just got somebody who's contesting uh, because they want more. So sometimes they're, you know, uh, on the other hand, you can look and say, well, all these years he didn't have the 
they have the ability to have his father and things like that, and I certainly understand that. Uh, but uh, I guess the show is about what can you do to plan to um, perhaps uh, reduce the risk of what's happened here. They wanted to keep things obviously secret. Uh, so, you know, it didn't say in the will, I have another son that I've pr- I provided for to the extent that I desired in my lifetime. Uh, they didn't really even want to acknowledge the fact that it was a child, mm-hmm. uh, that they were providing for this child, uh, obviously, uh, especially after the DNA test uh, and after the child support. Uh, it's pretty obvious that it was the child, but really uh, it was not something uh, that, you know, you wanted the image of the country western singer who was so well-liked here and around the country to be tarnished uh, by something that would be um, less than culturally desirable uh, in our society. Uh, so the uh, the bottom line is, is that they said that uh, these others unduly influenced him and maybe he had was depressed or this or that. The will was just signed last year. Well, the will, as I'm looking at the will right now, uh, it was signed on August 6th of 2020. Hmm. How old was he when he passed away? He was well into his 80s. 80s, okay. Uh, I think he died around 86, but I'm not positive on the exact age of death. So he was probably 85 or 86 when he he, uh, signed the will. That doesn't mean that he didn't have mental capacity. I and testamentary capacity, uh, right. I'm sure that he did. Uh, right. You know, he went to uh, Nashville or wherever they had that country music awards, and uh, certainly he was seemed to be okay then. Uh, so he, now I'm looking at his handwriting. Uh, his handwriting uh, was a little bit shaky, mm-hmm. uh, but you can see it's a little bit shaky. So it wasn't like it's not like I don't know what his handwriting was before, but um, usually a lot of times when people have some illness, if it's all of, all on top of the line, mm-hmm. so it looks like uh, it wasn't like it was kind of going, kind of you know, dropping down or anything like that. But you you know it is a little bit shaky. It's not to say that he didn't have mental capacity, however. Right. In fact, he you know the two disinterested witnesses said he had capacity. They were over the age of 18. They thought they signed it in the, his presence and the presence of each other, making it all a valid will. So the only question is, was he unduly influenced by his wife? Well, I mean, you could certainly make the argument. Does it mean every wife unduly influences their husband to have a will that says to, to the spouse and maybe children and less to some, uh, I'm not going to say love child, but because uh, that may be a, uh, something taken out of context in a bad mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way Tyler says it, he really wanted, it wasn't just a relationship. He had more of a, uh, it wasn't just a uh, one-night relationship. It was more of a, you know, he came and visit. There's all sorts of photos with mm-hmm. Charlie Pride, with, with uh, not only with his son, but later on with grandchildren. Now, I'm going to joke, tell you a funny thing here. Uh, the, I always tell the story that my wife went to class with one of Charlie Pride's grandchildren. Now, you might hmm. say, now, Mike, I've met your wife, and she's not that young. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but the, the, what I didn't tell you what type of class. 
uh, it was a, uh, a driver's ed class because they got both gotten speeding tickets. Whoops. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not what we were so, thinking by any means. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, so anyway, getting back to um, to Charlie Pride. So they're saying that because the wife who had business relations and these other people unduly influenced Charlie Pride, who had some depression, to have or Tyler gets a reduced amount. How do you combat that? And I look forward to getting that answer in about three minutes. But first, I want to talk about combating anything like that. And the best and only way to do that is to attend Michael's next workshop to make sure your state plans exactly the way you want it so that no matter uh, who the individuals are that are the beneficiaries, um, that it goes to the right people and the right amounts and the right assets go to them because they're yours, however you are able to earn them, receive them, obtain them. It really, that's not Michael's concern or problem, I think. It's a matter of who's going to inherit them when you pass away. That's his job, ultimately. And that's why you should attend the next workshop, so you can ask a particular question about your circumstances, and Michael can answer them right then and there. And the next Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, which is online, which is a virtual workshop, so it's via Zoom, it's not in person, is Tuesday. June the 29th at 1 o'clock, and Michael Fireway, tell them all that goes on at those workshops. Well, we ask people what they want to know. It's two hours. It's free. Mm-hmm. No obligations. Right. Uh, we just ask people what they want to know. It could be that they want to know, should I have a will? Should I have a trust? It could be something about Medicaid. It could be something about veterans' benefits. Uh, it could be something about some other, anything in connection with your estate planning for either life, during life, we're at death. Remember here in Charlie Pride's situation, you had a living trust. Right. So it's more lifetime uh, as well as what happens at death. Okay. So we ask people what they want to know, and then through those two hours, we go through the not only the questions that you might want to know, but we'll have some sort of presentation about general estate planning as well, mm-hmm. so you can have an understanding of the concepts, and on Medicaid, too, for, for those who are concerned about long-term care, uh, if they don't have adequate long-term care insurance. So we'll talk about various things because estate planning is not what just happens upon your death, mm-hmm. but what happens during your life uh, because we often get disabled. Right. So uh, we ask people what they want to know, uh, and then we proceed to discuss those things, and you'll often learn from other people's questions as to whatever, whatever on their mind as well as what's on your mind. And even if... Uh, you wanted to get more detailed and be more private uh, for the people who attend the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop. We give them a free one-hour vision meeting to s- discuss their situation individually. Again, free, three, so you get three free hours of legal education with no obligation. And we just kind of, you know, you don't do anything. That's okay. Our friends. It's just that we kind of try to, we want to just help you at least understand what your situation may be and whether you do anything or not. It's a different story, uh, but it's free. Uh, to attend the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at Dallas elderlawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Very good. We've got about five minutes left. Michael, how did the estate extricate itself? 
Well, it's still in litigation, first of all. Uh, And so this is an ongoing story. What will end up happening, uh, we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times, uh, you know, uh, the surviving spouse of Charlie Pride says, hey, you don't know my – you you must not have known your father, and you certainly don't know me because we're not going to succumb to extortion. And But – you know, a lot of times, like any litigation, and again, this is coming from a non-litigator, so uh, a lot of times people end up, and I'm not saying that this will happen here, a lot of times people end up settling just because of the legal fees and long, drawn-out legal battle. When it comes to the legal fees, when an attorney takes this on and someone wants to challenge the amount, are the attorney's fees hourly or are they contingency depending upon how much more money the beneficiary gets? Well, I guess it just depends on what the uh, what the parties agree to. I would imagine uh, that, uh, and I'm just guessing. I just ha- I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but I would imagine on the plaintiff's side that there wouldn't be some sort of arrangement on some sort of contingency, uh, just because I I'm doubting that they have the uh, funds to you know if he kept on getting funds from the from dad. Yeah. And he wasn't making mortgage payments and stuff like that. That he probably didn't. I'm just guessing doesn't have the funds, but I I really don't know. Right. Uh, to to fight it. On the other hand, uh, Charlie Pride's family's attorney probably is more on an I would guess uh, on a more of an hourly basis type thing. But I, because I the estate know. estate can afford to pay him probably. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, obviously they had a lot of funds, uh, so. That also uh, goes into it too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know uh, that gets into the practical issues of on litigation, um, so they could afford to fight longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just a matter. It's just kind of like sometimes it's kind of like a. Again, I've never been through a divorce, but sometimes people are all emotional, and then after however many thousands and thousands of dollars of legal fees, then somehow uh, the emotions kind of. The only ones that were winners were the attorneys, unfortunately, yeah. uh, a lot of times. So, uh, you know, it doesn't make it right. doesn't make it, you know, you like to think there's something black and white. Uh, but, you know, the real world is it's that's just part of the game, I guess. Sure. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, so I don't know if there was. And so if there was a settlement, we'll find out in the future because obviously a public figure just like this, it becomes big news, and it was on the front page of the Dallas Morning News, um, you know, this the past Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's not even though he was the quote unquote secret son, it wasn't such a secret son when you have a public figure. Yeah, boy, that's the truth. So, with about uh, two minutes left, what is the moral of this story? I know it's uh, many principles you've taught in the past, but. What should the, uh, when we say heir beware, what should the heirs be aware of and what should um, your clients be aware of, the people that are alive that are planning their estates? Well, you know, one good thing they did, I mean, maybe you put more with beneficiary designations. Right. Maybe, you know, that would supersede a will or trust. Maybe you have, I mean, the trust, maybe do you give more? Maybe do you give a certain bequest and say, okay, take it and see if they don't, uh, if they accept it, then they may get run out of a will contest. Uh, do you, you know, so it, it, a lot of times people have a trust to avoid probate and reduces the risk. But here, even though they had a trust, a, a revocable living trust, uh, commonly used to avoid probate, it didn't stop the litigation. 
so it, you know how do you uh, how do you you know undue influence is probably the most common thing that people do to use to say that they either that or lack of capacity that the will wasn't good. Uh, if it's a capacity issue, you could always have a doctor sign an affidavit saying that uh, you know I examined the person and at the time they signed the will. Uh, that the person had capacity, but that doesn't eliminate the issue of undue influence. And so it puts the burden back on the uh, family to try to to say, no, there was no undue influence. And uh, how that uh, shakes out, we'll see what happens. But I know that Pride family has great representation, and you would think that uh, they'll do everything they can to uh, protect the client, to protect the estate. And I think that, uh, but we'll never, we don't, you know, I'm not saying that both sides don't have great representation. We don't know what will happen in the future. But maybe either having a trust was a good step, uh, having maybe some beneficiary designations, maybe providing, saying specifically, I've given to this person during my lifetime X, and so therefore we'll get a lower amount. Um, and, and maybe argue that they've received those funds, uh, and or maybe give more to the other kids during life, so that said that, uh, uh, you know, that instead of that other one, so that they did argue that there's less of his estate to begin with, that there were gifts. So it could be any number of things, making gifts, having different beneficiary designations, giving a larger amount to think that they wouldn't contest, saying purposely that we've omitted them because of whatever it is. But although you usually don't want to give a, a reason why, you just say I've given to the extent that I've desired during my lifetime. Uh, so you don't. So you you acknowledge the child's existence, uh, but you've said that this is what we feel like uh, is all that's needed because of other things that we've done in our life. So these are just a few different things that you could do to reduce the risk that there be a will contest. But there's no guarantees in life. Prevent the mess. Attend Michael's next workshop. It's Tuesday, June the 29th at one o'clock. Dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two two one four. 7200102 to sign up for the free state planning essentials workshop or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. A talk show host on seven seventy KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 